we see that David flees, but there are certain key people that are left behind. The priests are left behind. The Levites are left behind who minister in the house of God. Hushai, who is one of his advisors, purposely stays behind so that he might frustrate the counsel of Ahithophel. And it's really important that this interaction take place because Ahithophel was very, very highly regarded by both David and Absalom, as we'll read. 2 Samuel chapter 16. Starting in verse 15. It says, Meanwhile, Absalom and all the men of Israel came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel was with them. And Hushai the archite, David's friend, went to Absalom and said to him, Long live the king. Long live the king. And Absalom asked Hushai, Is this the love you show your friend? Why didn't you go with your friend? And Hushai said to Absalom, No, the one chosen by the Lord, by these people and by the men of Israel, his I will be and I will remain with them. Furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve the son just as I served your father? So will I serve you. And Absalom said to Ahithophel, give us your advice. What should we do? And Ahithophel answered, lie with your father's concubine, whom he left to take care of the place. And then all Israel will hear that you have made yourself a stench to your father's nostrils, and the, ha- the hands of everyone with you will be strengthened. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and he lay with his father's concubines in the sight of all of Israel. Now in those days, the advice of Ahithophel gave was like that of one who inquires of God. That was how both David and Absalom regarded all of Ahithophel's advice. So we see, Hushai, we see Hushai coming in into this situation right here. And the first thing that Ahithophel, the advisor of David, tells uh, Absalom to do so that he might strengthen his hold on this kingdom that he's trying to take away from his father is to go up and sleep with his concubine, thus fulfilling the very words that Nathan talked about. What you did in private, someone close to you is going to do in public. Now, just a quick word about concubines for those of us who may not understand what the Scripture is talking about. A concubine is like a secondary wife. Had more, of, had more rights than a slave, but had less rights than an actual wife. And when we read, there are provisions in the Word of God. When we look in Deuteronomy, there are provisions for those who would be concubines and those who would be wives. That doesn't mean, just because we, we find provision there, that the Word of God is saying this was a good practice. We have to understand the law was given because of sin. Because people did not do the way that God wanted them to do. Jesus makes very clear in Matthew chapter 19 what marriage is. Marriage is the union. From the beginning, it was not this way. God created man and woman, and they became one flesh together. It's one man, one woman before God. That was always God's plan for marriage. From the very beginning, Jesus hearkens back to that. But the people of God had adopted the practices of the people around them. So they had taken on many wives, and they had taken on concubines, something we're going to see multiplied in David's son, Solomon. And so these concubines have now been violated by Absalom in front of everybody else. 
And it's a show of strength and power to say, this is my kingdom now. Through all of this, Hushai waits for his moment to share advice, and he finally gets his opportunity to share advice that's different than Ahithophel's, one that Absalom smiles down upon. And when he takes the advice of Hushai over, Absal- over Ahithophel's advice, we see both the downfall of Ahithophel and the downfall of Absalom. Ahithophel, knowing that his advice was not taken, goes off and hangs himself. And because Hushai's advice was taken, Absalom finds himself hung in a tree and killed by Joab and the men. Word comes back to David that Absalom is dead. And he cries bitterly, even to the point that Joab is upset that David would cry so much for his enemies and not regard the men who have risked their lives for him, threatening that, hey, if you don't go out there and encourage your men, there won't be a man who's left standing who's for you. And so David goes back, he encourages his men, and he begins to reunite the kingdom again under his reign. And when he finds in verse 3, It says, and when David returned to his palace in Jerusalem, he took the ten concubines he had left to take care of the palace and put them in the house under guard. And he provided for them, but he did not lie with them. They were kept in confinement till the day of their death, living as widows. It's about 10 or 11 years of David's life that we just read all starting with the sin of Bathsheba. You've got to read it as a whole because all of these things go together because they all go back to that prophecy that Nathan talked about. These things that were going to happen. If there's going to be war within your kingdom for the rest of your days, that one who is next to you, who, whom you care about, is going to go and do in public what you did in private, and the son that is born between you and Bathsheba is going to die. Those are very harsh consequences. The title of the sermon today is called The Consequences of Forgiven Sin. Because there's three lessons that we need to learn here as believers in Christ. The first one is this. Number one, when God forgives... He forgives completely. When God forgives, He forgives completely. 2 Samuel, chapter 12 and verse 13. After David is confronted with his heinous sin of adultery and of murder, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. He didn't try to justify it. He didn't try to say that I am right, I am king, I have the right to that. He simply said, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. What you need to know 100% when it comes to David and Bathsheba, this whole sword affair that took place, God, in that verse, completely forgave David, 100%. 100%. 
100%. That should give you and I confidence because it says in the Scripture, right, that any man who's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. See, I have separated your sins as far as the east is from the west. When Jesus cried on the cross, it is finished. He had accomplished everything for the forgiveness of your sin and for my sin. And if you have come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, one thing you should know beyond any shadow of any doubt, that when God forgives, He forgives completely. There is hope. The second thing we need to learn from this section of Scripture is that sin is destructive for both the believer and for the non-believer alike. I think that it is a dangerous mindset as a Christian to think, well, you know what? God will forgive me. There's a nugget of truth in that, right? We do know that that's true. If God forgives, He forgives completely. But I want you to think and count the cost of what David's cost was for his sin with Bathsheba and all the things that started in motion. He lost three of his sons. His daughter was raped and lived as a desolate woman. His ten concubines who were at home would all live as widows. All of those lives immediately disrupted for the rest of their lives. And nothing would ever be the same. If you think that you can play around with sin as a believer in Jesus Christ, may David's life be a lesson for you. Sin is not to be played around with. And every single one of us are going to fall. I'm just going to be honest with you. Need to have the heart of repentance, but for you and I to be cavalier about sin to think that somehow we can walk in it and be unscathed by its effects, you are completely mistaken. Number three, though God's forgiveness and justice are completed through the cross of Jesus Christ, the consequences of forgiving sin will still affect our lives. Though God's forgiveness and justice are completed through the cross of Jesus Christ, the consequences of forgiven sin will still affect our lives. Please understand, all these things that were set into motion had already been forgiven by God. All these consequences that were going to be faced by David, from God's perspective, had already been forgiven. And when we apply that to our lives, when we think about our life before Christ or even our life in Christ and some of the things that we have done, I think it's important that we take stock as believers in Jesus Christ because sometimes in the back of our minds, when we're going through hard times planted by the seeds of sin of our past, whether we were believers or non-believers at that time, we sometimes have a tendency to think, God is punishing me. God really hasn't forgiven me. Where the consequences of our actions are still going to reap those destructive, that destructive nature that sin has. I mean, if we think about it, and we think about our past, 
And I don't bring this up to bring up any pain for anybody. I'd want you to know that ahead of time. But we have to have a right biblical worldview of where these things belong so that God doesn't end up getting the blame. If you have a past of a divorce or adultery, then maybe there's been reconciliation, maybe there hasn't been. But if that's in your past, there are certain consequences to that action that even though God has forgiven you, you are forgiven. If you've come to him and you've asked for forgiveness for that sin, I want you to know 100% God does not hold that sin against you. But there are still consequences. Mistrust that may come from your children or for your wife or your spouse who's been harmed by that. I'm sorry. That's a consequence of sin. It doesn't mean you're less forgiven by God. That sin that means that you're not separated from Him because Jesus died for that. You still have a relationship with Christ. He's still preparing a place for you in heaven. He has that amazing reconciliation with Him that's taken place. But you know what? Nothing guarantees in the Scripture it's going to happen with your kids or your wife or how many years it might take for them to trust you again or if you're in different worldviews if that'll ever come to be. If you had a past of alcohol or drugs, any addictive behavior, the pornography or gambling, and you've done harm in your past because of those things, whatever it might be, harm to family members or distrust to friends, if you have come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are forgiven 100% in the eyes of God. You are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. That is a reality that no one can take away from you. And yet, building those bridges with your family that's been hurt by that or your friends have been burned by that and regaining the trust of others that are around you may take years if it ever comes at all. And it's not the punishment of God. It's the consequence of sin in this world. We have been spared the consequence of sin for eternity because of what Jesus has done. But there's still consequences here that He hasn't taken away. And as believers, we want to forgive and reconcile and be able to see as that new creation but what if you got unbelievers in your family who've been burned by these past sins they may never trust you again or maybe in your past you've just been a compulsive liar you've lied either to get power or lied to get out of things because it's just easier for you to do and the lies and lies and lies just kept stacking up but you've come to know Jesus Christ and I want you to know that you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. At that moment in time that you have given your life 100% to God in Christ, believing in His Son, you are a new creation. You are 100% forgiven by God. You are 100% in His kingdom. God is preparing a place for you. And yet, all of those people who have been hurt by your lies you may never regain their trust. It may take decades to regain their trust. It may take years to regain their trust. It's not the punishment 
of God. It's so important that we differentiate between these two things. Because a lot of times as believers, we don't. We think God is punishing me. Why is God making things so hard? And not realizing that the origin for these things is not God, nor His forgiveness to us, but the effects of our past sin. That while the eternal consequences of that sin have been taken care of on the cross, the temporal consequences of that sin that deal with relationships with one another are not guaranteed to be taken care of. No place in the Scripture. So how do we deal with that? You see, David wasn't a man after God's own heart because he got it all right. Obviously, we just looked at a very terrible line of events that just happened that talked about how many times he got it wrong, right? Which should give hope to you and me as people who want to be men and women after God's own heart, want to serve Jesus Christ with our whole hearts, that even a mess-up of huge magnitude, though it may have consequences that endure in our lives, does not negate us necessarily from being a man or woman after God's own heart. There's some encouragement there. But how did David deal with that? Let's find out. Let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 15. This is as David is getting kicked out of Jerusalem. Everything's been taken over. And so you have the priests who are there. They're making a decision on who stays, who goes, who's following David as he's leaving this place. And there's an interesting statement that David talks about in, these, in this passage, verses 24 through 26. It says Zodak was there too, or Zadok was there too. And all the Levites were with him, were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God, and they set down the Ark of God. And Abathar offered sacrifices until all the people had finished leaving the city. And then the king said to Zadok, Take the Ark of God back to the city, and if I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see it and his dwelling place again. But if he says, I am not pleased with you, then I'm ready. Let him do to me whatever seems good to him. Man, that's a, that's a humbling remark from somebody who's being ousted from his own kingdom, right? The kingdom that God had established in his hand. David's like, whatever God wants to do. Those words should sound somewhat familiar. They echo kind of the same thing that Eli had said when Samuel was given his first commands and prophecy by God talking about Eli's sons and how they were going to be judged. And Eli's response was, he's the Lord, let him do what is good to him. You see, a, a man of God doesn't do things perfectly. We're seeing a lot of faults in David. And in some respect, we might say we're seeing even many more faults of David than we did in Saul. But God looks at the heart of man. That's why he could forgive David the moment he was confronted with the sin with Bathsheba because he knew that that was a real forgiveness and he knew that that forgiveness that was given by God would be complete. And this is the heart of David as he's being ousted from this, as the consequences of his forgiven sin come into fruition. We don't see a David who's railing against God. 
but rather humbling accepting what God has placed before him and says, look, if God wants me back here, if God is pleased with me, he'll bring me back and I'll get to see this place again. And if not, he's the Lord. He gets to do what he wants. You know, how many of us have that same feeling, right? How many of you and I have that same feeling before God that when things get tough, whether it's our own sin or whether it's persecution that comes because of, on the account of the word, we're too easy to give up because it's too hard, God. Why are you having all of this happen to me? We're told in Mark chapter 4 when he talks to the rich young ruler, you know, those who follow me are going to get all types of things and along with those things, persecutions. Man, we're going to stand firm in the word. Guess what? We're promised persecution. So even when we do right things, we're promised persecution. And we have wrong things in our past, we're not promised that our hardship is going to be any easier. And the question for you and me at those moments in time, are we going to hold on to Jesus for all that we're worth? Or not? See, this is what made David a man after God's own heart. Through every mess up that he had, he kept clinging to God. For every single time that he would fall, he would grab on to the only thing that he knew had life. Too many of us in the culture that we're living in today give up far too easily. David had family problems, all types of family problems. We just talked about them. Never gave up on God. Some of you guys have family problems? Your answer isn't to blame God. It's not God's fault. It's not. It's for you to cling to God all the more amidst those problems because He's God. He's the one who's got life. He's the one who's got it to the full. Do you really believe that? Because this, it's in these times where we're faced with the consequences of our sin or we're faced with the persecution that comes with our faith that you and I, our character and our true commitment for Jesus Christ comes through. Either we walk in repentance and we cling to Jesus and say, whatever you got in store for me, I know it might come from a storm because of what I did, but I still trust in you because I know you said it's finished and I believe you, that you have a place for me and I'm going to walk in that joy. Even if nobody else ever believes me again, I'm going to do it. I'm going to walk anew so that people will be able to see Jesus in me. Even if all those other people who knew me in my past write me off, it doesn't matter. Jesus is better. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? And the same thing when standing for Jesus and we've done nothing wrong. Is Jesus better? Standing for him when everybody else would say that the word of God is antiquated or we don't believe that anymore. And you might be doing nothing wrong at all. Are you going to cling to Jesus and say, you know what? He is better. Though the world is all against me, what Jesus offers me, what he bought for me on the cross, what he promises me for my future is so much better than anything man can throw at me, any punishment I can get on this earth for following Christ. I am willing to die for it and grab onto Jesus with all of my heart and I don't care who says and I don't care what it costs. 
That's you and me. That's you and me. That's real faith in Jesus Christ. Anything else is putting a roadblock in our faith. Blaming God for our consequences, not cool. Some of you are going to have to deal with those consequences maybe a lifetime. And I will pray for you for every single one of them that God may give the grace of reconciliation for every single one of them. But more than that, I will pray for your persevering faith through that time that even if God does not lift His hand from that situation that you might stand strong. Because Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. No matter what your past is, I just want to encourage you. If you've given it to Jesus, if you're following Him as Lord and Savior, when God forgives, He forgives completely. And my encouragement to you as a believer in Jesus Christ, from the example of David, imperfect as he was, is to hang on to Jesus with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. When you've messed up, repent and recognize that if you've got consequences, they're not from God because God has forgiven completely. You might still have to walk through them, but hold on to Jesus and he will show himself true. Let's pray together. God, I just want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for our time together, Lord. I want to thank you that in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven completely for those who have placed their trust in Him. No matter our past, no matter what's gone on in our past, Lord, may there be those who find that freedom today, Lord, who may have thought, walking in this place, that circumstances from the past that have come to haunt them are somehow a punishment from you because they're not because when you forgive and you forgave on the cross, you forgave completely. That is there for every single person. And may they grab onto that hope with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And God, help us, Lord. Help us amidst our circumstances of the consequences of our sinful past, even our sinful present that we need repentance from, Lord. God, help us to hold on to Christ and say, though I messed up, I hold on to Jesus with all I'm worth. And if nobody else believes me, I still trust in Christ because he's worth it, Lord. And help us, dear Heavenly Father, for those of us who might be persecuted because of the word of Christ, because standing firm in you is hard, Lord, in a world that does not recognize you. And God, that we would look at the reward that you have given us through the forgiveness of our sin and the place you have prepared for us because of the greatness of Jesus Christ, greater than anything we could ever go through on this earth because of your name. We have a greater kingdom in store for us. Help us to live for that kingdom and not this one. And thank you, Lord. Thank you, O Lord, for the example of David. Thank you that you pull no punches that you show both the good and the bad, the consequence of sin, but through it all, the greatness of God comes through. Because when you forgive, you forgive completely. And we can have a hope and a future because of Jesus Christ. I pray that for every single person listening. I pray that for every single person who's here today, Lord. May we be free, dear Heavenly Father, and know that you are for us, not against us. And give us the strength to persevere in our faith, Lord. 
in all of these circumstances. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. I want to thank you guys for being here today. If you need prayer for any reason, we will have people up front who are ready to pray for you. Uh, we'll keep distance or whatever it is that you need. But if you need prayer, don't leave this place without getting that prayer. If you're online today, God bless you guys. Walk in the freedom of Christ that he gives you and only he gives you. God bless you. Have a great week.